But throughout my life, there's only been a handful of messages, you know, we call them sermons or whatever you want to call it, that I remember, about five of them. I, I don't know exactly, but there are not that many. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's some that you remember that impact your life forever. And one of them, I have to share this before I get to the Psalms that we will get to. But this was about 40 years ago, and I was in seminary. Seminary, not cemetery. For me, it was a good experience. And, uh, but I'll never forget that day walking in, and the man, whoever he was, I have no idea, but he preached a message entitled, Why God Must Judge America. And I remember hearing that, and I took a lot of mental notes, because I've never forgotten that word. It's one of the three or four or five messages. And uh, this morning I woke up, before I get to share anything that I thought I was to share, the Lord brought this back to me, and I, I want to speak it. Because we need an understanding of the times in which we live. And, I, and he preached that day out of Jeremiah chapter 6. Now remember, in every house there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. In this house... They're vessels of honor. They're vessels of dishonor. In the house called America. How many of you know they're both? There are those for honor and dishonor. That's what the scripture says. There are some that are, they will be appointed to wrath. But others are not appointed to wrath, right? If you know Jesus, you're under the blood. You are appointed to what? To obtain salvation. Not appointed to wrath. And we understand that. And in that chapter, God, through Jeremiah, he's holding nothing back, and he's speaking to the daughter of Zion, and it says that in Jeremiah 6, or to Jerusalem, his own people. How many of you know the Bible says that he gave, whatever he spoke in times of old, he spoke for our example, on whom the ends of the ages have come. So we don't do away with the Old Testament. We heed what God spoke, to his people. And in that day, his own people had rejected him. And he said that they had become like rejected silver. That's what he said. The people will know you as rejected silver. That's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 6. Now remember, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? Right? There's a little rain that falls. That's, that's the New Testament. It's just that the just have an umbrella. They know what to put up. And the unjust have no idea what's coming and what's happening. But the just, they do. Now, I read this this morning. Ecclesiastes 2.14. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. What in the world does that mean? That means if you're wise, you're going to walk in wisdom, understanding the times. But the fool is going to press on in darkness. But the end of that verse says this, Yet I perceive that the same thing happens to them all. It's just there's a difference between the wise and the foolish. Now for the wise, God even prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. How many of you know that? Even in the presence of our enemies, He's going to lay out a banquet table. God's going to prove himself to be faithful. Now here's some things he listed before I get on with what I am to share this morning. In that message, the best that I could remember, I, it was early this morning and I was just jotting them down. It's almost as if I just heard this message yesterday. It's just one of those words. And the reasons God must judge a nation. Number one was the violence, and you can look this up later. The violence and the wickedness had reached a level. It reached the, the top. And he describes it this way, as a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness. The second thing was the word of the Lord had become a reproach to them. 
They didn't really want to hear what God had to say. They refused to hear. They refused correction and instruction. And they were going to go their own way, not the way of the Lord. And then, number three, covetousness, false dealings, corruption had filled the land. And from the prophet to the priest, it was not only political corruption, it was religious corruption. And you can read that in Jeremiah chapter 6. And it was being overlooked, the religious corruption. They were sweeping it under the, under the carpet, but God wasn't overlooking it. And then another thing, there were prophets who would only preach peace, peace. That's all they would preach. They never led the people into the other side of the coin, the goodness of God and the severity of God. They only dwelt on the goodness. And the Bible says they healed my people only, only slightly. And they did not. They would not tell them of the judgment that was on the horizon. They were prophets of peace. Can I tell you all across America today, there are prophets of peace. And they will not go what God is saying for many different reasons. And then there was another thing. There was a lack of shame over their sin. And I remember this illustration like it was yesterday. He shared about Lucille Ball. Now understand this was 40 years ago. And we knew who Lucille Ball was. I loved Lucy. I loved to watch Lucy. I don't know if they even show it anymore. Because it would, you know, there were good morals. Anyway, Lucy was pretty innocent, if I remember. Gullible. Innocent. But anyway, toward the end of her life, she said this. And I remember them quoting that. Lucille Boss, she was in an interview. And she said, I'm shocked today because I'm not shocked today. The things that used to shock her no longer shock her anymore. And that's the way it is. And then there was rebellion, stubbornness, walking about as slanderers. Everyone slandering their neighbor. Slander among the people of God. Gossip, envy, judgmentalism. And then they refused to heed the watchman. God raised up. He raised up prophets that went into Jerusalem. They set the trumpet to their mouth. They said, thus saith the Lord. And they refused them. They didn't want to hear what they had to say. And so they became as rejected silver. And he raised up an enemy. And an enemy invaded the land. And they came from the furthest parts of the north. And they came to prove and to test those who really would serve God from those who really were not. Does that make sense? Anybody still with me? I'll never forget that message. It's like he's preaching it today. Now before I go on to Psalms, I have to share with you some things that really follow up from Friday night, that the reason we were together. Because this week it was the Day of Atonement. And I wanted to go spend time with God. I want to hear from God. I know I hear from Him. But I wanted to go have an encounter with Him. You know what I'm talking about. Bobby Connor says he goes and he has encounters with God on the Days of Atonement. Bob Jones laying over there. Although he's a part of that great cloud of witnesses. I personally believe he's a part of this congregation. Somewhere up in the balconies. Rudeness on, you know, that great cloud of witnesses. You can make it. Be bold, be strong in this hour. Don't back off the truth. But anyway, I wanted to hear from God. And I didn't, I don't know. I had a dream, but it seemed so foolish to me. It seemed like a child's dream. It seemed ridiculous. That's what I told the Lord. Lord, this was a ridiculous dream. And I felt like maybe he just showed me up. And I'm just being honest. I went out where I could overlook the mountains and overlook, you know, where I was. And I said, Lord, you know, even if you don't give me an encounter, you don't speak to me, I'm going to believe you. You said, blessed are those who, though they've never seen, yet they believe. I'm going to be that one. And then it's like he hit me in the head. He said, you need to look a little closer at your dream. 
You think it was a child's dream. No, it was for me. And I believe, let me just try to share this, what it was, and then we'll get on. And I promise you it's going to end well. Say it's going to end well. But you need to hear this word. America needs to hear this. And I don't know if they'll hear this. I don't know how God does the things God can do. But somebody told me one time, God does a real good job of being God and not you. So stay out of his business. Do what he told you to do and trust him. And I'm going to do that. But in the dream, I was riding on someone else's motorbike. It wasn't really a motorcycle. It was smaller, but it was fancy. Beautiful, blue. It was really expensive. And I was having a great time riding this motorbike, motorcycle. But then all of a sudden, I must have gotten too close to the water because I went in the water and the motorbike sunk. And I remember thinking, I don't have the money to repay this. I can't. I don't have enough, but I have to, I'm, I'm responsible. I'm not going to just, you know, not pay the guy that loaned this to me. I'm going to pay him somehow, some way. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a good steward. Now, before I got out of the water, I did lift the bike up out of the water, which will mean more in just a few moments, but I did lift it out, and maybe if I could get it to the master, you know, someone could fix it. I couldn't fix it. But anyway, then all of a sudden, my brother and I, we were walking through this lobby. It looked like a hotel. And you know, you know who your brothers are, right? Jesus, they said, your mother and your brother, they're outside waiting for you. He said, you know who my mother and brother are. They're those that hear the word of the Lord and they do it. So I believe it's for the church. Anyway, we're walking through and I see a quarter on the ground Maybe I'd think, well, that, that, that's the start of getting them enough to pay for what I just messed up. So I reached down and picked up the quarter, and then I noticed there are a lot of quarters. So I was picking all the quarters, gathered, wow, a lot, this may be more than I think. And then I saw some silver dollars. So I started, I wasn't stealing them, I just, they were there. What are you going to do in your dream? I was just picking them up. I said, man, this is great. And my brother was picking them up. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, this is somebody's safe. They left their safe open. These, this is not ours. It does not belong to me. So we started putting it back. And my brother started putting it back, and I was putting it back. And then all of a sudden, a lady walks up, and I looked at her, and I said, aren't you glad that we are good guys? Which means, you know, men of integrity, we're going to put it back. We weren't going to keep it. And then she took us off somewhere, and I don't know what happened, to a different area. Now, this is what the Lord told me. You can weigh it. You can dump it. But I'm going to tell you what He put in my heart. Number one, we have lost what God has given us. We, as stewards of this nation, we have lost America. Now, stay with me. You know one of the the reasons we may be seeming to go in the same direction is because God hadn't gotten our attention yet. That we've lost the land. And I was thinking about, you know, before a person can be saved, what do they have to realize? They're lost. As long as you think you can, there's a little bit of, you can save yourself, you will never experience salvation. And there are a lot of people like that. You've got to admit, I'm lost. I need a savior. I need a master. I cannot save myself. And I'm telling you, America is lost. It is over. And all of our devices are not going to redeem the land. So let me just go on and share with you. I know some of you may not like this. It's okay. Hang in there. I have something to say. But here's what he said secondly. We don't have what it takes. The Lord, you do not have enough to redeem this nation back. You don't have it. You don't have it. No matter, I could not fix what I had messed up. I, had, I just didn't, I couldn't save myself. Number three, what we think we have is not even really ours. 
It's God's. And then we don't need to save ourselves anyway. All of our efforts will be fruitless. Say fruitless. Our salvation only comes from above. And I kept hearing this phrase, our way out is to look way up. Not part of the way up, but to look way up. You, I mean, if your redemption draws nigh, because you've got you to lift up, you know, you've got to look way up. Don't look out here. Look way up. And then I was able to pull my bike out of the water, or this bike, because if you get it to the master, the master could fix it. And then the last thing, he's mighty to save. And I kept thinking of, you know, Romans 10, 13. I know that's a scripture for the loss. And I'm seeing it happen right now in the nation of Uganda. They, I keep telling you about it, but I'm telling you, every week they share with me the testimonies. If I didn't know better, the whole nation is coming to Jesus. It's the most incredible. I had never dreamed I would have a part of something. This, this magnitude. I'm glad you just stay little in your own eyes and let God be big in His eyes. And you understand that. But here's what it came down to. And then I'm going to get to that psalm. But number one, these are the things that cannot save us. This is like looking out rather than looking up. As long as we're looking at anything out here, we will not be saved. We will not be saved. Number one, we cannot look at America as it was. The Constitution is being shredded. Our leaders may pay no mind to the Constitution. It is not even in their vocabulary. It is nothing to abide by. It's something to get around. No one agrees. I want to show you, you got to look at this. Our guys, are, we're familiar with the scripture, but it, the Lord brought it back to my memory. Lamentations, look at Lamentations, chapter 4, verse 17. Lamentations, chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, Still our eyes failed us, watching vainly for our help. In our watching, we watched for a nation that could not save us. Did you hear that? They were watching vainly, looking for their salvation. And they were looking vainly at a nation that could not save them. So what are some other things that can't save us? Number two, any man. Now here's why I may hit some, I don't care. As long as you're looking for a former president to save you, you will not be saved. No man, cursed is the man who puts his trust in a man. The only Savior is God alone. No man will save America from where we are right now. None. Because man is not God. God is God. And then number three, I knew I'd make a few enemies, so what? You'll forgive me. Number three, the political process will not save us. I hear people say, if we could just get to 2020, 2022. So you think things are going to change between now and 2022. I think God is shouting to us right now. What just happened in California should have been a wake-up call. You can't change it. It ain't going to happen through a political process. Through the judges, through the courts, through elections. You know, I saw recently they made an arrest of somebody that was involved in the Russian hoax. But we'd just gotten a word just days before that. Somebody called me. I can't remember who it was. They said, something's going to happen that looks like justice, but it's a scapegoat. It's a trick to deceive the American people, to deceive those who believe their hope is in the justice system. I'm telling you there's only one judge, 
and his name is God Almighty. And then the military. There's some people that think the military is going to save us. You evidently are not paying much attention to what's happening right now. The military is being purged. It is being downsized. We have enemies without, but the greatest are within. And they're not foolish. They're doing exactly what they purpose to do. But you know we're the people. We don't trust in horses or chariots anyway. Man's not going to be saved by the arm of the flesh, but by the Spirit of the living God. It's not by might, nor by the power of your military. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I tell you, that's where America is right now. And then another thing, arrows of truth. It's what the Lord gave me, arrows of truth. In other words, remember Rick's book, Rick Joyner's book, The Final Quest? There were those who wanted to convince others of the truth, and so they shot these arrows of truth at them, thinking they could convince them. It only made them matter. They were more enraged and more wanted to extinguish whatever they, the other side thought was the truth. The arrows of truth. You're not going to... Listen, you will not receive the truth unless you have a love for the truth. The Bible says those who had a love for the truth will be saved. America's got to love the truth. That's why we have to proclaim the truth. Regardless. And let the Holy Spirit grant them a love for the truth. They won't come in any other way. And then another thing. Religious deeds and formulas. There's some people think if we just do enough religious deeds, we're going to be saved. It ain't going to happen. There is nothing we can do religiously. Now, I do know there are some things that help us get on. We want to cover the basis. Friday night, I didn't want to share this dream. I started to. But I didn't want to mess anything up because I wanted us to pray. I wanted us to intercede. I wanted us to repent. But even our repentance, what, the only thing that can save us is what Jesus did. It's His redemption. It's the blood that was shed. It's His resurrection. It's more than our religious acts. We've got to have God. And we only come to Him, not through any other means, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. We repent by turning to Him. Repentance is a part. You know, all these religious things we do... They might get us on base, but getting on base is not going to get you home. you got to have somebody to come up to the plate with a big stick. And our God is a big God, and He has a big stick. And He can hit the grand slam. But we got to trust in Him. We have to humble ourselves. Now, look over in uh, Isaiah 59, and I'll show you. And then I want to pray, and then I want to get to Psalm 27, but it'll go really fast. So you guys good? Because I want to encourage you. don't want you to be discouraged. You go to church and get discouraged. What kind of church is that? I always tell the people, this is not a woe is you fellowship. It's a wow is God fellowship. We want to end with wow is God. But you, gotta, you have to talk about, about the woe is you. You can't be saved unless you know you're lost. America will not be saved unless we know It is hopeless every other way but to look above where our Redeemer shall come. So let me show you. Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I know God heard our gatherings on the mall before the election. I know God was hearing us. But verse 2, but your inequities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And verse 3 really fits with our nation. For your hands are defiled with bloodshed. Innocent blood. And your fingers with inequity. Your lips have spoken lies. And your tongue has muttered perversity. 
And you can go in and read. There's a whole lot there. Look over in verse 9. Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there's what? Darkness. We look for brightness, but we walk in blackness. You have to confess how dark it is before you can realize that you need the light. You have to know that. And God wants our nation to realize how dark it really is. Now you can read on, there is repentance that starts to take place. Look in verse 13, in transgression and lying against the Lord. They were, they were in rebellion against God. They didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. The justice was turned back. Truth had fallen in the streets. And those who want to do truth have made themselves a prey. And they were trying to depart from evil, but there was nowhere to run. Then it says, then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Now this is interesting. I know intercession is important, but look in verse 16. And he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Which tells me, it's not our intercession that shall save us. There's something far more. It's called turning back to God. No amount of intercession, though we must intercede. So please understand, these are the things that help you get on the base. But it's only God, because God says He's going to rise up, take things in His own hands. Because it's set, you read on in verse 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will do what? The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. What is that standard? In verse 20, the Redeemer. The redemption. It's the cross. Our only hope is to go back to the cross. It's to repent and confess our utter lostness. Individually and nationally. And God will save us. And then he goes on, he talks about his covenant. That uh, he Now look, look back over Well, let me read this. You don't have to read this. But over in Isaiah, it says this. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. That's the message America must hear. Your maker. Who was going to fix that bike? I had no money to pay for it. I could not. What I thought I had was not even mine. It belonged to someone else. Your maker, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Our salvation comes in the name of the Lord. I wish we had gatherings all over America where all we did was gather, repent, and then quote Romans 10, 13. Lord, you said whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for looking for salvation in a man. Salvation in our political system, judges, elections, in our own ideas and opinions, in our military. Forgive us, God, for our religious gatherings where we didn't repent. There's a lot of peace, peace. You know, there are many that will say revival's coming. But they heal. They only bring healing slightly. You must have repentance. Repentance and turning. Hosea said, we must return to our God for He has torn. Who has torn? God has torn. So you're going to fix America when God's the one that tore it? He has torn and He will heal us. So let us return to the Lord. So I want to pray. Then I want to do that real short psalm to encourage everyone. Because some of you are saying, where is there any hope? No, outside of God there is none. And the sooner we learn, the quicker we can get on with this. Because you know something else. In that dream, two things happened. Number one is I did pull the bike out I didn't see it restored, but there, I knew 
the maker could restore it, and the lady that came to take us to the next room. I don't know what was behind those doors. I don't know. There's, in other words, there's some unfinished business. God might not be through with us, but He's looking for those who will turn to Him. Well, Father, we pray that, Lord, you'll find a people that turn to you. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for looking for salvation in any other. We repent of our foolishness and our pride, thinking there was another way than your way through the redemption and salvation. Lord, we ask you to do it in our nation. We thank you, God. You're the God of the impossible. And you're a God that can restore and make all things new. And even a nation that has gone astray can be saved in a day. God, would you show yourself strong and mighty as the only one that can save. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to go to Psalm 27. You guys okay? Everybody with me? It won't take long, but I want to just give you an encouragement. Build you up because you're going to need this in this hour. Say, I'm going to need Psalm 27 and Psalm 28 and Psalm 29 and Psalm 30 and Psalm 31 and Psalm 32. You need to read the Psalms. Let me just read it all. We'll go back and touch on some points. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. And He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I... I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. For you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Now, the Psalms is like a big hymn book, right? All this collection of hymns and songs about the journeys of God's people, King David, and many of the Psalms, but others, in declaring who their God was. And when in this particular Psalm, when facing... What could have sent David into great fear, he chose to place his confidence in the greatness of his God. You see that in verse 3. Look in verse 3. My heart shall not fear. He was tempted to fear, but in this I will be confident. Verse 2. When the wicked came against me. In other words, when they came to take my life or they came to devour me, however they may come, when they came... Still, he was confident in his God. Say confident. We're going to need to be confident. And the way you're confident is in declaring who your God is. In the face of your enemies. 
It's like that psalm over in Psalm 2. To me, that is one of the number one psalms for the day in which we're living. That and Psalm 11 and 12 and 13 and all of them. But 2 and 11 especially. Because in Psalm 2, it talks about the enemy raging and the people plotting vain things. And they're gnashing at their teeth against the righteous, against the anointed, against God and against His people. But it speaks in that psalm how we are to declare the decrees of the Lord. Declaring your own decrees is not going to work. But declaring the decree of the Lord, what God gives you, will I guarantee you 100% work. Because God's word will not return void. Declare the decrees of the Lord. So David had to make a declaration. It's like, you know, our forefathers, they signed a declaration of independence. And many of them knew. There were, I remember hearing the story of two of the signers. They knew that when they signed it, they would immediately lose everything they had ever worked for. Because they lived right next door to obviously some who were on the other side. And they paid the ultimate price. They gave it all up for life and liberty. And you know, we've been made stewards. A declaration is like staking your claim. We need a new declaration in America that says our God is our God and what He's given us to steward, we will not surrender to man. We have to make declaration, but we have to declare the decrees of the Lord. Take our stand now. We won't have, I'm telling you, night is coming quickly. What we must do, we must do now. The enemy's not at the doorstep. The enemy has breached the wall. The enemy is inside the gates. And he's working overtime. And the only reason he's not totally succeeded is because of the restraining and the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of his people that are crying out to him. But we have to fight. You have to draw near to God and resist the devil. You try to resist the devil without drawing nigh to God, you will utterly fail. We draw nigh to God. Now, if you look at uh, verse 5, this is the, the key verse, and then there are just some things I want to just impart and pray that God will release. But in verse 5, it says, For in the time of trouble, and that's what really stuck out to me in the time of trouble what are we going to do people are asking questions right now the ungodly unconstitutional mandates the assault on our freedom and liberty what are you going to do are you going to surrender are you going to stand you going to bow to the bales I remember Jonathan Kahn this was a number of months ago. He came out with a word. And I love Jonathan Kahn. I believe he's one of the prophets. He's not a peace and safety prophet. He tells it like it is. And he challenged the church in America. Do not bow to the bales. This is your hour. We're well into that. Well into it. So what are you going to do in the time of trouble? And we have to understand that trouble is part of the package that comes with following Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? How many of you will admit that? I want to show you. Jesus said sufficient is the day for the trouble that's at hand. You don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble will follow you. You follow Jesus. You think trouble went after him. They eventually crucified him. Paul reminded us that Jesus will repay those who trouble you. So that day will come. But that also tells us there will be those who will trouble you. So get used to it. Some trouble is avoidable. Some happens because of our own stupidity. We didn't seek God. We trusted in man. We put our trust in the majority opinion. Since when has God ever been among the majority opinion? 
If you find the majority opinion, you can pretty well 100% know that God is on the other side. He said narrow is the way, and few that find it. Anyone can go the broad way. If everybody comes up with a solution, you can be sure it's the wrong solution. The scriptures remind us that there's a day of trouble coming upon the whole earth, such as has never been since all of creation. How many of you know that? Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble, but nevertheless be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Yet to finish that. And then... Why does this have to be in the Bible? It says, we enter the kingdom through much tribulation, trouble. It's the only way. We enter the kingdom. So trouble does not mean you're outside of the will of God. Ask Joseph. Joseph, he had a dream, and he had an encounter with God. And then his brothers betray him, sell him out, try to, you know, then he's falsely accused held in, I don't know what solitary, obviously he had some favor. God gave him favor, and God will give you. Even in the prisons you may walk into, you walk with him, God will give you favor there. You may be launched into your greatest ministry. Well, what can we expect from God in this hour, in the time of trouble? Here it is. Number one, He shall hide you. He shall cover you. That's what it says. He shall hide me in his pavilion. God has a big pavilion. You ever gone to, you know, some gathering? And the pavilion's full. You have to be out. You have to stand out in the sun. Well, both work for you. You get to stand out in the sun, in Jesus, and you get a place in the pavilion. Both. There's a place to cover, to hide. Psalm 57, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until these calamities pass by. So we stand under the shadow of his wings. You better make sure you're in that place. Psalm 91 is not something we're to read for our entertainment. We live and we move and we have our being. In His Word. In His Word. His Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in what? Trouble. Say trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Say we will not fear. You're going to have to wait a minute. That was a weak declaration. Do you think that sent any, any shock in hell by your confession? We need to awaken hell this morning. Let them put them on the alert. There is a church in America that is arising and shining and will not bow to the bales regardless of who turns against us. We will stand for Him alone. So say now, say, therefore we will not fear. You guys at home say it too in your own room. Therefore we will not fear. Now look at the rest. Even though the earth be moved, though the mountains be carried into the sea, though its waters roar and are troubled. That stuff starts happening It's going to be trouble in my book. But we will not fear. For God is with me. So he's making a declaration. You know, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. How many of you know that? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We're to be a people of faith. Though everything may crumble and crash... That's not what determines whether we have faith or not. We have faith in a God who never changes. And His Word who, that endures forever. 
It's an enduring faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. And all the rest, the rest will not work. I've got to tell you one story about hiding. You know, I get to share all the stories. I'm telling you, ministry has been the greatest joy. I told the Lord when I was on the mountain on the Day of Atonement, I said, God, this is the greatest job this is the great, I don't care. This is, to me, the greatest job you've ever entrusted to any human being on the planet in all of history. To be an ambassador for Christ, to be one of his sons, are you kidding me? We get to do this. It's an amazing thing. But anyway, I've shared with you the stories and how I went to Cuba while still under communism. As I went to the former Soviet Union while still under communism. Now I know why God sent me to those places. It makes more sense. But I remember the first time we were in Cuba, we met some pastors, Richard. You were in Cuba too. Yes, with me. And other times, Dean Simpson, he's like an apostle of missions. And he took us on these trips. Thank God for men like Dean Simpson. You don't know him, but... He's responsible for taking me to many mission fields. But I remember they told us a story. They wanted to smuggle some Bibles from Havana, I believe, to another village. So they had the Bibles in their trunk, and they were on their way. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them, the driver, and said, Stop the car. Take the Bible out of... Remember this story. Take the Bibles out of your trunk. Put them under your seat. So they stopped. They put the Bibles under the seat. They come to a checkpoint. The communists check what's in the trunk. They find nothing and they send them on their way. They're driving on a little further. The Holy Spirit says, take the Bibles out from under your seat. Put them back in the trunk. So they put them in the trunk. They come to a checkpoint. The communists check. They don't find the Bibles. They release them. They let them go. They go to the name. And he said this happened a number of times. Number one, they heard the Holy Spirit. That's vital. But also, if God hides you, ain't no demon going to find you. Can I just be honest? This is a little Louisiana talk. No demon's going to find you if you're hidden with Christ in God. And that's where we're ultimately hidden. It's hidden in Him. I'm hidden in Christ Jesus. People want to go to a place of refuge. Jesus is our refuge, a very present help. God is our refuge, a very present help in time of need. Okay, I want to get done. The next thing, he will set me on high. I love high places. I tell Shirley all the time, oh man, I wish God, I know this is probably vanity, but can I be honest? I say, I wish God would give me a house up on the mountain. I love looking from the mountains. And she always tells me, if you lived up there, you'd want to go down in the valley. You're never satisfied. And I know there's something about us. The grass is always greener. Somewhere else. But it would be nice. But I love going there. And this, oh man, on the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. I could see. I love. And God wants us to, listen. Whether you have a house or not. He wants you to dwell on those mountaintops. He sets you high on a rock. If your enemy's coming... The way to overcome them is best to take the high ground. And I'm telling you, if you're following Jesus, you're on the high ground. You're in a place. You could never get there on your own. God will get you there. And He's faithful. He's the rock that is higher than I. And I can stand on that rock 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, regardless of what come my way. And then the next thing in verse 7 through verse 10, He will hear me. The Bible says, call upon me, I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not. And I was calling on God this this week. I call on Him all the time, but we're in this midst of a little bit more intense seeking. And I was calling, crying out to God. And He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear, I will forgive. And I will heal. 
And there can be no healing unless there's repentance. It's not a worldly repentance. Worldly repentance will get you nowhere. It's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance that leads to what? Salvation. That's the formula. Conviction, recognition of your lostness, repentance, salvation. I don't know any other way. And then the next thing is you have been my help. Look in verse 9. Don't hide your face. Please don't hide your face. Do not turn your servant away in anger. For you've been my help. Say, he's my help. There are people looking for help right now all over the world. And I, I hear the stories of one lady called into the station. She doesn't know if she's going to live much longer. She's starving to death. And that's probably one of how many could even get through that day. Because there's massive starvation. And I just tell you, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. But if I go, I will send the helper, the comforter. You know those old hymns? You know last Sunday, we started singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Remember right at the end, we only sung two verses. I'm over there thinking, man, a woman, I think it was a woman, sing more, sing another verse. We need those old hymns. Those guys had something that was solid and faithful. I mean, they, it was birthed out of the trials of life. But I was thinking this week that song, Oh God, our help in ages past. Our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast. They weren't just fooling around. They experienced that. But they knew they had an eternal home. Within the shadow of thy throne still may we dwell secure. Sufficient in thine arm alone. And our defense is sure. And you know there's so much more we could talk about. And then the next thing at the end of verse 9, it's His promise to never leave them nor forsake them. For you've been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When we were at this prayer gathering Friday night, I was really touched by Jay. He's on his way to Texas Right now, he and Judy to see their, their daughter, their son, who's in the military, who's facing big decisions, as they all are. But anyway, Jay was up here praying for the veterans and the military, and of course his son. He said his whole family was, had been in the military. His father, his grandfather, I mean, just a military family. And he'd been in Afghanistan. And he was crushed by what happened recently in Afghanistan. But he was talking about how those who have been in the military, especially those that have seen war, they've seen fighting, they, they can walk in the door and they can be the loneliest people in the room and you don't know it. There's a, there's a, there's a loneliness. And they feel rejected. I remember, who was it? David Reaver when he came back from Vietnam. And how so many of the Vietnam veterans were just tossed to the side. There was no welcoming home. And they felt rejected by the nation that they had fought for. And they saw their friends die for. And so Dave Reaver would go around the nation. He would hold these rallies to encourage and to bless the veterans. And to bring healing to their heart. Those that had suffered. And I just want to tell you. He's the God. He's the healer. He's the healer. He's the Savior, but He is the healer. He's the healer of the broken hearts. And you may feel lonely this morning, but if you know Christ, if you know Jesus, you're not alone. You will never be alone. I don't care. Everyone may desert you. They may ship you off to northern Siberia. Now, they won't ship us to northern Siberia. That was in Russia's day. They probably have other places planned for this day. But wherever they send you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus felt forsaken when the Father turned. 
but he forsook his son so he would never forsake you. And then in verse 10, it says, then the Lord will take care of you. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. He takes care of us. I remember I shared how I lost my mom and dad on the same within 24 hours apart. We had a double funeral. I could literally pray that my mom and my dad have forsaken me on the same day. They both died. And there are many today that feel so forsaken. They were telling me about all the... I wonder how many in Uganda, the, the orphans, they have no mother and no father. And they have no source to feed themselves. They're hungry. They're starving. It's just the little bit that the people will give them. And I tell you, your mothers and fathers may forsake you, but God never will. God never will. You're his son and you're his daughter. And then the next thing in verse 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Because of my enemies. The smooth path means God, God will make it a level plane for you where Satan will not have the advantage. He will prepare a table before you even in the presence of your enemies. He'll not forsake you. Psalm 48, 14, this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. And there's so many scriptures about that. He's the God that leads us to the bridge over troubled waters. And they're going to be troubled waters. You know, a believer should have written that song. Because Jesus is the bridge over the troubled waters. And he's the hope right now. For this nation, if this nation will realize how lost it really is, and that we need a Savior, we need our Maker, and our Maker is God, and our Savior is Jesus. Though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil. And then the next thing in verse 12, He will defend me. We used to have, and I hear people all the time, says, they say the Constitution, I'm standing on the Constitution. <laughs> My friend, you're standing on shaky ground right now. I, I wish it were so. I really wish it were so. But those who are at the helm of this nation have trashed the Constitution. They don't care if you're standing on it or off of it. They will go around it, they'll go under it or over it. It is not an obstacle to them. Their God is the God of this world. Their allegiance is to their father, the devil. Satan is not trembling because of the Constitution. But he will tremble when a church and a people forsake their sin and they turn back to their God. That is what will get hell's attention. And he'll defend you. God will defend you. say, well, I don't have the Constitution. I can't find a lawyer that will defend me. God will defend you. Your God is your defense. And we're going to know that. That he is the God that will defend us when no one else will. And then he'll show us our goodness. Thank God for verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not when I get to heaven, but in the land of the living, I will see the goodness of the Lord. There will never be a day that God will not fulfill His promise. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Do you know the context of when that statement was made? They were living in Babylon, in captivity. Now, there was one prophet, I can't remember his name, he showed up. He was a peace and safety prophet. He said, oh no, great reform is coming, great revival. You're not going into captivity. Jeremiah, he said, you're putting a yoke, a heavier yoke on the people than what they're carrying already. And they went into Babylon. And Jeremiah said, though where you may be, 
God's promises remain. You prosper. You will not diminish. You will prosper. You build. You plant. For your God knows the plans that He has for you. Plans of good and not for evil. To give you, the people who put their trust in Him, a future and a hope. And it is our God. And then the last thing here, shall strengthen your heart. He'll give you courage. A lot of people are losing courage. They're growing weary by all the news. Part of that is the plan. I didn't have them show that. I was going to. I'll do it later. But I saw in that little article they sent me about the church awakening and we're to be pastors in wartime and all this. They showed a a front cover of Newsweek. And it was fear like you have... Fear, fear, promoting fear. The doomsday variant. And it was red and black. To me, that would be the colors of hell. Black, red. They told me the devil was red. I mean, that's... He wears a hat. But I could just feel, you could feel the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. 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 You can get anybody to do anything if you get them afraid. And then you convince them that you are the way for their salvation. We need to break the spirit of fear off of people. And we need to pray that people will have strength in this hour to stand. To stand. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. Though everyone turn away, it's Christ Jesus. It's He. And Lord, I pray, thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for putting this in my heart. Thank You, God, that I get to be one of Your ambassadors. And may I always be faithful to speak what you've spoken completely. But God, may we, may we all be faithful to be hearers, and not hearers alone, but doers. And Lord, I pray, God, for people right now. Lord, you'll move in this place and online. And Lord, I thank you. We have authority over fear. You said you've not given us a spirit of fear. But what you have given us is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And so we ask for the spirit of the fear of the Lord in the place of the spirit of fear. And we resist fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And we declare that you love us with a perfect love. And in the name of Jesus, we pull down the spirit of fear over this place, over those that are watching And wherever they're watching from, we pull down the fear that is being promoted on a daily basis. We will not fear. David declared, I will not fear. In this, I will be confident. And we pray, Lord, in the place of fear, there will come confidence in the Lord our God and in the word of our Lord. And Lord, I pray for strength for your people. Strength courage to mount up with courage full of faith in the God who is with them and will never leave Lord I ask you to do that all all over this land draw people to your son give courage and give strength in Jesus name I want to pray right now because I know there will be those watching And the Lord told us, don't you dare forget this in this hour. I won't send them if you don't give them an opportunity. And there may be somebody in this room and you've never met Jesus. Don't know if you're saved. If you walk out today and you're riding a bike and you fall in the river, if you don't make it out of there, will you you make it to heaven? Well, not on your own works. Not on any religious 
formula. It's by simple faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of sin, acknowledging your lostness and reaching up to the one who can save. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I believe many are watching right now. You can put in that little CD that we always put in. But I want to pray with you. And you pray with me. I've been doing this every week on the radio in Uganda. And I'm amazed. I'm just, I'm so honored that we get to be a part. Somebody from Uganda sent me a prophecy before I pray. That, uh, who was it? Um, Benny Hinn was in Uganda in 2019 and he prophesied that a great spiritual awakening would come three years later. And now it's three years later. And a nation is being saved. But this nation has an opportunity to be saved. Individually and nationally. Nothing's impossible with our God. Nothing. And he sent his son to die that you could put your trust in him and live forever. The just died for the unjust that he might bring us to God. So I want to lead you in prayer. Just say, now let's pray this out loud. Somebody may mean this in this room, but let's all pray it out loud as just a reconfirmation with the people online. Just say, dear God, I need you. And I confess that you are what I'm looking for. There's no help anywhere else. My help comes from above. And I thank you for Jesus who gave his life for me. He died on the cross and shed his blood. And he rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. By faith, I confess you as my Lord. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I repent of all my ways. I turn from my own way, and I turn to you the way. And I call upon your name to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, know the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever. Whoever. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. In this hour, this is the hour, shall be saved.